You're listening to episode 222 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of the Showcase Netflix series, Travelers. And as we've been doing the last few weeks, uh, we'll go ahead and start with our pick of the week, and we're going to expand the atmosphere a little bit and open it up to virtually anything. So I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I might have like uh, like a, f- a fig and a half, or maybe flat okay. out two things too. But the first thing I'm going to do is my pick of the week is uh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay. We Jody and I went and saw it uh, the other night, and it was awesome. And it was partly because it was hilarious. It was very, very funny, um, which I know, um, you know, Marvel d- does that, right? Like, uh, well, you probably haven't seen. Have you seen Spider-Man Homecoming? I have not. Okay. So, like, Spider-Man Homecoming had a lot of comedy in it. And uh, certainly Ant-Man was an extremely funny movie. Um, and, you know, the Thor movies have, by the most part, it's just... It's it's so strange because the Thor movies have been so kind of tense and uh, they haven't been all super serious. There has been some levity in them, but um, but for the most part they've been pretty serious. And this one was just kind of funny, where there's you know there's like serious stuff going on, but uh, you know you just kind of like feel like everything's going to be okay the whole time. You don't get too stressed. Um, so it's great. Uh, I'd never heard of this. The guy who directed it, he he actually had a cameo. He's one of the characters, probably the funniest character in the movie, was played by the director. But I mean, this guy was just awesome, and he just really did a fantastic job with it. So, if you, even if like Jodie had never hadn't seen either of the previous two uh, Thor movies, and she loved this one, so oh, cool. Yeah, Mary likes. Uh the Thor movies, although she's really got an affinity for Loki of all people. And I guess I get that. Oh yeah, sure. He's, and he, he's obviously he's in this too. And, uh, you know, he's a big part of it and he's great. I mean, you know, Tom Hiddleston is, is a fabulous actor and, um, you know, and he, uh, yeah, just the Loki he's, he's, he's a guy you love to hate, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you mentioned a half. Yeah, so, okay, the other one, as you talked about, like, non-sci-fi stuff, I was actually thinking about this because, um, so there's just a, uh, a, a podcaster for uh, the BBC History Extra uh, podcast uh, named Ellie Cawthorn, and she just has the best voice ever. Like, uh, yeah, she just, it's this really kind of north of England uh, lilting voice, but, you know, uh, it just really kind of stands out. I, I like the History Extra podcast, you know, on its own. I, I really, really enjoy what they uh, they talk about there. I find it very interesting. But her voice is just awesome. So shout out to Ellie Cawthorn and uh, keep at it, Ellie. You're doing a great job. Mine's st- sort of history related as well. And it's it's a movie that's currently on Netflix. I don't know that it's a Netflix uh, exclusive or anything like that, although it could be. But it's a Beatles documentary called It Was 50 Years Ago Today. And it sort of zeroes in on the Sergeant Pepper era. And it's got tons of historical footage, much of which I've never really seen before. I mean, you know, there's a lot out there that, that seems to make the rounds, but there's a lot in this. It's really good if you're 
young enough that you're like, well, I've heard of the Beatles. Who was in <laughs> that group again? You, you, yeah, you need to watch it. I mean, it, it, from a cultural perspective, uh, if nothing Jonathan else. Jonathan Rhys-Meyers was in it, right? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so anyway. Um, so I have, we... I have like an original like copy of Sgt. Pepper's like LP. Yeah, so do I. So I don't know. Well, I don't, actually, I don't know if I have it anymore. Those are my uncles. And um, he went in the army, and he gave like my mom a lot of his like records. He's, he's younger than my mom, so you know while my mom like music that's okay, my uncle actually like really cool music from the '60s. He was a teenager in the late '60s. He went into the army about the time I was born, and just basically gave my mom all his rock albums. And then later on, I found them, and she gave them to me. But I think I might have given them back to my uncle. Once he moved back to the states uh, permanently, I'm not sure. But you know, I like had a, an original White album and an original Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, they're completely ruined because I played them so much and scratched the hell out of them um, because they're LPs. But uh, still, those so those are like my first rock albums. Even though you know I was born, you know, three years after Sgt. Pepper's came out, that was like one of my first rock albums I really got into. All right. Sounds good. So, all right. Well, I, I mentioned to you after we were done recording last week what I forgot to uh, talk about, and, and that is we're going to be making a change that I hope is going to be seamless, but I guess we'll see. And, you know, if you've been a listener of the podcast and you've gone to the website, you've probably noticed in the URL window, it always says fadeless.podbean.com, which is, of course, a nod to our beginnings as a Lost Girl podcast. Uh, for two years, the domain of SciFiTVRewatch.com was active, and if you put that in, it would direct you to the website, which would still have the fade lists in the address. I'm going to change it to SciFiTVRewatch.podbean.com this week. So at the worst, the way I understand it, you might have to resubscribe through iTunes or however you get this podcast. So fingers crossed. And, you know, we'll see what happens. They tell me it's going to be seamless. We shall see. We'll and see. then uh, also going to be changing the music for the intro and the outro, but more of that forthcoming. But, uh, you know, when you listen to us, uh, don't be surprised if the music is somewhat unfamiliar. And, and I'll have more on that later. All right. All right. So That's new uh, I didn't even know that one. Yeah, well, I've been talking about it for a long time, and the guy who, who does the music finally got back to me. I mean, he, he lives, you know, like down Reese Road about a tenth of a mile. So, so you could have at any <laughs> I, time. I, exactly. <laughs> but uh, he finally was like, ah, oh, sorry, dude. I, you know, anyway. Um, as always, if you want to touch base with us, and, and we do have some audio feedback this week. Sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website, leave a voicemail as, as Bob from Australia did uh, record your own audio clip. If you want, send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch and consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So as I said, we have a voicemail we got from Bob in Australia. Who's got a few things to say about the last travelers episode. So let's take a listen. Uh, hey guys, this is Bob from Australia. Uh, I really enjoy your podcast. I listen to it for the Travelers recaps. Um, just wanted to make a quick uh, note on your comment, your discussion of the 102 
Um, I think Vincent made it pretty clear to Sam Carter that his son Taylor had his host chromosomes or his genes, not his own. I think if Kat knew the truth, she would, of course, feel deceived and betrayed, but would keep the baby. It's effectively a second chance for her to have a son with the man she truly loved, knowing there is an original timeline where Grant died and they never had a child. Uh, my wish for their story is for Kat to know the truth and for her and Traveller McLaren to become partners, but not necessarily lovers. Um, yeah, keep it up. I'm really happy that you are doing these podcasts now and not waiting for Christmas like uh, maybe you're supposed to. Anyway, thank you. Have a great day. All right. Um, you know, some good stuff. We, we had talked about the DNA thing, and, you know, I do remember – him saying that vincent that is yeah, i missed that completely so good good pick up there bob good job man. yeah but but i don't know if you noticed uh bob says you know vincent said to sam carter <laughs> nice sg1 reference yes. there and i think you know if you're an sga if you're an sg1 fan after or if 10 you're a episodes, fan of government association that's, <laughs> exactly that's... but then the other thing I, I again that that we've talked a little bit about and that's Max relationship with Catherine and you know one of the things again that I've mentioned you know who are they going to bring into the fold whether it's David uh, Catherine lawyer uh, somebody is is going to be next but uh, you know I, I like what he says about Catherine learning the truth and then seeing what happens from there because while she's pregnant now and and in the episode we're about to talk about it appears that they've you know, at least reconciled a little bit. If the traveler thing didn't happen, Grant would have died and she'd be a widow. Now, whether she can overcome that, it's kind of what Bob is alluding to, that he hopes they become at least partners, as he says, you know, if not, you know, a full on couple. So we'll see. And I guess that's the the great thing about travelers. There's so much going yeah, on yeah. And, and so much to speculate about that. we you know, Anybody that says, oh, this is what it is. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's awesome. What you said about the, the cat and, and grant thing. Um, I just can't, if he owns up and tells her the truth, um, I just don't like, you know, assuming one that she believes him, right. Um, I don't see her like being able to get past that. But then of course, if they then, after she learns the truth, something very traumatic happens and they experience some kind of shared trauma that they make it through. Well then that, you know, that, that could possibly happen. So, um, but yeah, you, you love Kat, right? You think she's a great character. We love Grant. He's a great character. Um, you want these crazy kids to be able to, uh, you know, make a go of it. But, uh, you know, as we see, uh, all the relationships in this episode are are, are uh, having issues. Yeah, because as I've said, I mean, I don't think having one of these people become a traveler solves the issue because it might just, in fact, make it worse. So we shall see. But this one is episode three of season two, entitled Jacob, written by Pat Smith, who also wrote Donner, Hall, and Protocol 5 in season one. And Ashley Park, and this is her first writing credit. She was a story editor on Killjoys, and she does have some episodes that she's worked on that are going to be later in season two. Directed again, Andy Makita, and this one aired on October 30th, 2017. So, 
you know, some initial thoughts. I mean, certainly Vincent is integral to this episode, and, and I thought it was a pretty smooth transition into the world of the Travelers team. But, you know, now that he's on the run, are they going to follow him? Or or is that it for, you know, well, Colin I, Tony? I, I doubt that that's it for him. Uh, but the fact that they both obeyed the stand down order from the director um, shows that I don't think they're going to come in conflict with one another right now. I don't think the team is going to follow them, but I, I don't think we've seen the last of, of Vincent. Yeah, and Carly was not happy with standing down, no, that's for sure. not at all. Not at all. And She's now, on edge as it is. Well, yeah. Now, according to him, th- this would be the third time he's been found, although you know he speculates before it was by the director. So what does he do now? Just go into seclusion? Since the Travelers now have a name and a face, or do they? I mean, do they have a face? I mean, McLaren didn't have his camera, you know, on his phone, so he couldn't take a picture of him. So do they have a picture? I mean, how easy is it going to be for them to track him down, if in fact that's what they want to do? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Philip was able to hack into his private server, without too much difficulty so yeah but see even that and we'll get to that i mean did he let him i mean i would i would argue that he let him because of all the black vans there ready to take them out so yeah yeah true um but is it possible that vincent is not behind the tortures and is only an observer a voyeur Mm. if you will i mean seems unlikely because of the building connections (laughs) yeah i would think so as well if the director didn't initiate the abductions, but doesn't interfere, I mean, does that mean the director condones them? And, uh, you know, it, it, how omniscient is the director really? Yeah. I mean, we don't know, but. Yeah. Well, the little kidogram is, uh, you know, those are pretty creepy and pretty on, like, you know, like these two groups are about to throw down and then like kids show up at both places. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And 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 even though uh, both messengers imply, I, I don't, I can't remember if they said explicitly that the message was from the director. I think they did. Um, but what does this tell us about what the director's trying to accomplish? Um, you it, know, it tells it, us absolutely nothing. We have, I have right, no right, right. Well, because right, because if the director wanted traveler teams to stop being assassinated, then let him kill Vincent if in fact Vincent is responsible, but that's not what he does. So, right. Or uh, it does. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, you know, and then we've got the faction still out there. I mean, we assume it still exists, doesn't appear to be connected to Vincent, but who knows? I mean, you know, uh, what would the faction be after, you know, yeah. would they, why would they want to stop the team missions? Because at least as far as we understand it these missions in the 21st are designed to improve life in the 23rd or 24th or whenever they are so right well um, and 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 certainly if the faction is in control of the director by in, by some chance which they would have no idea of that then um you know it, it certainly would be primarily interested in protecting its history and its origin and would 
you know, definitely having the, the travelers stand down. Well, right. And, and I mean, when he left, there was no faction. Uh, you know, we hear again about the grand plan, but we don't really know what the grand plan is. I mean, we know what Max team's mission was, which was to, you know, hit the asteroid. Will there be new missions? You know, we got that scene, you know, where Trevor, it's, it's almost like he doesn't trust Philip to tell him that they got new orders. You mentioned Carly being on edge. You know, they're all on edge, which I guess you can understand. But what does the future look like now? You know, we talked last year in the Travelers podcast about will we ever get a look at the future, for instance, the way they did on Continuum. And, and, uh, you know, I I think that's still a possibility. I I don't know whether we'll see it this season, but... um, Yeah, I I thought that, the the most strongly I, I don't I can't explain why there, there's nothing like logical that made me think that as I'm watching it but I'm like you, you know I was thinking that exact thing like are we are we going to see what all these characters look like in the future you know are we going to see the future you know are we going to see you know Grant what he looked like as the traveler before are we going to see Marcy what she looked like when she was in the future. Right. And I mean, has the future improved? I mean, we know Shelter 41 did not collapse. Right. So, you know, is life as bleak as it was when they left? You know, maybe we'll see. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still sending travelers back, though, right? Well, well. So if everything's great, why are they still sending people back? Well, has the battle between the director and the faction now being played out in the 21st century, which it certainly would seem that may be the case. But I'll tell you, this, I mean, don't let anybody tell you that this show is predictable because no. it is anything. <laughs> is anything uh, so. There is so not. Well, first of all, to start, I mean, let's just get into it. It starts off with uh, me saying, did I miss an episode? Were you thinking that? Okay. Well, you mean when Grant goes to pick Cat up? Yeah, for starters. Okay, uh, okay. David and, and, has a new girlfriend. Marcy's a freaking doctor. Like, well, when did all this stuff technician. happen? Yeah. I, I, well, so so we. Oh, she's saw, an X-ray tech. Yeah, she's an X-ray uh, tech. But still, well, well, we learn that three months have elapsed. I know, which, but like, so I, David's I gone from like. Oh, I guess it's a quick rebound, but I'm just saying a lot of stuff has happened the last three months here. You know, so well, at first well, I'm like, wait a second. That, what, wait what what yeah like i kept saying what like i kept feeling like i missed an episode you know because so right. much and, stuff was just they, they just throw it out at you like boom yeah. you know marcy's working at the hospital boom david's got a new girlfriend you know boom cat like, and and grant are together like i was just like what yeah well we talked last week about how they were going to handle you know this episode was it going to just pick up you know the next day or was there going to be a little bit of a time jump and i'm glad they did it the way they did it but you know talking about grant and cat he picks her up from a place that we really don't know where it is what it is she seems in a good mood asks if he's told walt yet but he says he hasn't told anyone and and i was trying to see if i could get a read on whether or not she was happy that he didn't tell anybody, but I know this is filmed in Vancouver, but I couldn't help but notice that, you know, it's rainy, it's gray. I mean, is that kind of their relationship or is that just 
typical Vancouver <laughs> weather. Like, and, <laughs> all right, we got to shoot this scene sometime. <laughs> right. But uh, later he calls her and, you know, as you said, it, it seems pretty clear they're back together and wants to know if there's any food she's been craving that that she wants him to pick up at the store on his way home. So, you know, there is that. And then we jump right to a guy in a wheelchair and we know exactly what it is we're looking at. We certainly don't know who these travelers are, but boy, he's been beaten much worse than any of our team had been beaten, Mm -hmm. or or at least it seems that way. You know, we, we see the familiar TV screen and then that's what the point where we learn that three months have elapsed and we're on site at a building with a crew from, I don't know if you noticed the truck, Wright Demolition. I did not notice uh, that. Brad, Brad Wright. Yeah. All right. Just coincidence. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> I doubt it. But the worker notices that there's a pipe leaking, which leads them to break through a cinder block wall and discover the four dead bodies. And we cut to the credits. And, and I, I just thought... The way they handled that opening, they they got three important plot points in there in a short amount of time. It didn't seem forced. And like you said, whoa, wait a minute, did I miss an episode? I guess I didn't feel like that, but but I can see why you said that. You know, last week we talked about the stories breaking down into couples, and they kind of did in this week as well. Yeah. Although, why don't we start with Philip and Trevor, because they kind of were together i think more than anything and the first time we see trevor his dad's driving him to school and it's clear his dad's having a much more difficult time dealing with his injury than he is which i guess what we know of his dad comes as no surprise but did you notice when he gets out of the car at school he calls him dad i did notice that yep not gary right so i i don't know what that's all about and given what we know about trevor's true age seems kind of weird that he would do that you know since he's i don't know i I don't think it's weird at all here's why because uh trevor is very empathetic and he understands people and he's very wise he's old right he's he's extreme he's really wise and he more than any other character i think can see the long-term picture of things right uh, okay. A lot of the other characters are just, you know, looking for the short. He's always like looking at the bigger picture. Um, he knows that Gary is upset because he sees his son won't be able to play football and all this stuff, which, which, what was his identity for his son for so long? Now, misguided as that might be, Trevor understands that that Gary's world's been kind of shook, shaken up a little bit. And so by calling him dad, he's just kind of like, like throwing him a bone, you know, kind of like giving him something to, to make him feel better. Okay. And ease the transition, I guess. And, and, you know, you use the word empathy and, and I I think you're right of of all of the five travelers, he certainly, and, and with age comes wisdom, hopefully. Sure. Uh, I think in his case, it certainly does. And then we see him limping for a bit, but, but I think we all knew that he was going to slowly start walking normally, sure. which is, of course, well, he's got what the happens. In him, so we knew he was okay. Right, and three months have elapsed, and right. he starts sprinting into the building. And I'm thinking, like, you know, in the same way that you and Grace delayed letting your doctors know the truth, d- dude, if the coaches see you sprinting like that, you're going to have a difficult time staying off the football yeah. field. <laughs> yeah. 
But I guess Marcy can give him a doctor's and why note. Why would it? Like, I, you know, personally, if, if I were that travel, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm going to play football. This is awesome. Uh, I always wanted to be this big. Yeah, well, do you remember when we saw him throw the football? Yeah, that's oh, right. That was, that's that right. Was, that right. That's right. The athletic ability didn't didn't quite translate, right? It it did not. So so that, then we see Philip and Trevor at HQ, and you know Trevor, you know again as you're saying, the eternal optimist that they'll get another mission, but but you know he doesn't seem to trust Philip to tell him, and then they're both welding something in the background on, on at least two occasions. So I don't know whether that's going to be important. We certainly don't learn anything about it tonight. They're making bongs. Well, I don't know what they're making, but, uh, <laughs> just like shot um, back in the seventies, right, Dave? Well, good point. So, uh, <laughs> Phillips taking the drops and, you know, Trevor playing the little dad there. Uh, do you really think you should be taking, you know, them and, and well, as needed and I need them to focus, like, oh, God, here we go. And, yeah. and unfortunately, we see that because Philip is going bat crazy because he can't find his drops, accuses Trevor of trying to ration them. And I, I was glad that they had Trevor spot them on the floor immediately. I didn't want this thing to drag out. Right, right. Although, to be honest, I wasn't certain that Trevor didn't take them. You know, oh. maybe seeing that uh, he was doing it for his own good, but it, it just leads me to think: Are we going to see drug addict Philip again? Yeah, oh, I, I think we are seeing him. Well, I mean, I think that's now, exactly of, what we're seeing here. I mean, I we know Jenny is in the picture because we have an upcoming episode entitled Jenny, right? But then the question is: Is he getting the drops from her, or is Marcy now? No, producing I mean, them? he said Marcy knows, but I don't think Marcy knows. You said they're Marcy approved, but but I don't uh, think that's true. I feel like that's not true. Okay, because because um, he's just uh, I mean he's showing all the classic signs of addiction. Uh, you know, I mean here's the thing, and this is what something I meant to say uh, last time and I didn't. I forgot to, but the whole Jenny situation is clearly when 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 something is too good to be true. The, the, it's there's a reason we have the term too good to be true, right? And this yes. attractive girl shows up and she sleeps with you right away and she gives you this wonder material that's supposed to cure all your addiction and everything is just perfect, right? Well, come on, dude. Like, really? <laughs> you know, like, obviously, you need to look a little bit deeper as into what's going on here. Well, I would agree with that, and that's a great segue into the next couple because you mentioned classic signs of addiction. And when we look at Carly and Jeff, and, yeah. and the first scene we see, they're doing some kind of intense workout of they're her doing, design. Um, planks. Uh, okay. Three minutes. And, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty intense. That's pretty good. And, and at first, I wasn't sure exactly what they were doing because we just kind of heard. but um, But then that leads to... Uh, the meeting that they have with the representative from child services and she's late. And and of course we assume it probably has something to do with the travelers, but while they're waiting for her, the representative starts to ask Jeff to talk about himself. And then of course, you know, fortunately she gets there and, and we realize that the final custody assessment is, 
imminent. And, and I love the meeting they have with that woman who we saw before, who I guess she was really the one responsible. Yeah, Jacqueline. Right. But I love the fact that she says, you know, you two are great actors. Yeah. You're not fooling me for a minute, but the fact that you're trying tells me something. And and when she says, you may never make good spouses, but there's no reason you can't make good parents. And oh, you know, on the surface- reasons they can't make good parents, actually. Well, Jack. right. And the one is that he's an alcoholic, right. among other things. But it's like they get home- and he's pouring freaking champagne. Yeah. And I'm thinking, really? And I don't know if you notice, he's spilling it all over the place. It's like, dude can't even pour into a glass. And, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if, you know, how many times they filmed that scene and they finally just said, ah, screw it. It's fine. Nobody will notice. <laughs> or maybe they, they but, meant to do that. But I don't know if it's meant to show that he's drunk. But, but certainly here it is, like, you know, like part of his rehabilitation and part of the reason why Carly is let, well, she she's letting him back in because she has to, right? right. Um, but part of the, one of the conditions was that the drinking was going to stop. And here it is, right after they've gotten what they wanted, he's right back to the first, like, just like, you're right. It's like the first thing he thinks is let's get a drink. And that's not good. And it leads me to believe that he is going to try to go back to the way it was, which means him physically bullying and intimidating her to get what he wants. And his memory can't possibly be that short, can it? Well, I think he is, you know, it was probably difficult for him to, you know, to lay off the booze for an extended period of time. And now it's kind of like, all right, like I've, we've gotten, you know, like I've done my bit for, to get us to our goal. Like he did, I don't, apparently he, he didn't see what he had to do as actual life changes. He saw it as a temporary thing that I'll do, temporary change that I'll make in order for us to achieve this goal. Once the goal is achieved, as you said, we're going back to the way things were before. And that is not going to fly with Carly at all. Any bets on whether he'll survive the season? Uh, if I had to go over under, I would say he's going to end up on the under part. I would say he's not going to make it to the end of this. Six feet under? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, you know, you mentioned Marcy and working at the hospital, and, and I thought that was a great situation for her. And, and we really see a lot about her life. And, and certainly David, while not part of her life, he, you know, there is still a connection. And we see her, she's working as an x-ray technician. And in that first scene, there's a doctor who's stumbling about, you know, he wants to ask her out, but gets called away before he can. And, you know, it's funny because she unnerved him as she does David later on. And, and she even mentions that that's the second time today that that's happened. And, you know, I mean, we certainly saw that in David. And look, I mean, we, we can understand it. But the scene you were talking about when, when we started the discussion, David's making eggs and we half expect to see Marcy sitting opposite. Right. But. Now you you said it's it's not a new girlfriend it's a recycled girlfriend R right right well new to us I know I know 
and apparently Blair dumped him, but obviously they're together now. Yeah, and, this and she, is she, just has rebound written all over it, right? But but what brought those two together? Right, we're talking about a three month period. So did he? ask her out did they bump into each other somewhere did she as she says it's like you're a different person more confident mysterious and i love his line you don't know mysterious and (laughs) and and, you know he's probably just aching to tell her but of course he's hopefully smart enough not to yeah i mean even what he knows right which which isn't he obviously doesn't know the whole story right but um I, I mean, like, I, I've just finally come around to, uh, like, kind of liking David. And and you can just see, like, this is just, like, it's just a, a terrible rebound situation that there's nothing good's going to come of this. You know, like, I mean, it's classic. Like, he, you know, gets his heart broken. And he, you know, so he goes to, like, you know, he pulls out the roll. I don't, obviously, as you said, we don't know this is how it happens. But metaphorically pulled out the Rolodex, which no one has Rolodexes anymore, I know, but just work with me. Um, the Rolodex Kids was a, a, a round thing that you could keep phone numbers in. You wrote them down in paper instead of keeping them inside a phone. So, But, you know, like he just ends up getting with an old girlfriend. So it's not even like a new girl. He he just went back to the past, you know. So, so it's like he's not really progressing. He clearly is not moving on. He has not moved on at all. Right. And even though he knows these things about her, for instance, she begins experiencing abdominal pains. And we know where this is headed that, that, you know, there's going to be. You did? uh, You knew she was eating cotton balls? No, no, no. I knew that he was going to run into Marcy at the hospital. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, the cotton balls. And and again, you knew, David knew that she had done this in the past. It's like. Dude, I mean, this girl does not need to be on a diet, number one. Right. So you know, they're at the hospital. He tracks Marcy down, explains Blair's problem. And, and I love Marcy telling him, well, I'm only an x-ray tech. And he says, well, we know that's not true. <laughs> because, yeah, again, right. you know, he's listened in as she saved. I forget who got shot at the time. It seems like everybody's well, been shot at some point. She operated... She had him operate on her, right? Well, yeah, but but he overheard a phone call where she was saving somebody's life, right? And and I can't remember right, right, right. In, in season one, but uh, and you know he he operated on her at her direction too, uh, right? Which right, would right. indicate a certain level of medical skill there, sure. <laughs> but he tells her Blair doesn't have any insurance, and now, Marcy now agrees to just, help because this is in America, right? Yeah, well, Canada. Or, or, no, I guess they're supposed to be in Washington State. Yeah. So, like, this is the era of Obamacare, my friend, right? Agree with it or not, everyone should be insured. This girl should be insured. Well, she might pay the $900 um, fine, right, on her taxes or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But, but see, the problem for me is not so much that as the fact that she's going to conduct an X-ray with no paperwork. Now, again, I've never worked in a hospital, so I don't know if that's something you can run the x-ray machine and nobody will notice, but I find that hard to believe. But whatever, I, you know, that's, that's not a deal breaker. So, no. 
I'm, I'm not worried about that. But like you said, she's been swallowing cotton as some sort of a weight loss device. But he but calls see, I, Darcy, I don't agree with them including that in the show because I'm like, you know, I personally never heard of that before. I don't know if you should go publicizing that either, you know. Well, I agree. So. But, so he calls Marcy, invites her to a thank you dinner with he and Blair. But she doesn't answer, and she's just sitting on the bed in this stark room that looks like it's maybe in a hotel or a furnished apartment, but it's just the place looks sad, she looks sad, just, you know, very lonely, and, um, you know, again, I think it's affecting her more so than anybody on the team. You know, the, the things that have transpired the last few months. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, but I can see where you're going with that one. Okay. Well, I was surprised she shows up at David's for dinner. Yeah. Looks stunning. Awkward embrace because, of course, how he feels about her. And, yeah. and Blair's late. I'm thinking like, dude, when he says, well, we could eat now. Fortunately, she had the good sense to say, no, we'll wait for her. Let's just yeah. have a glass of wine. I'm like... <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So this whole thing is weird because, like, A, he calls her and invites her to dinner, but B, she doesn't answer the phone, right? Um, and then she shows up anyway, not having said she was coming to dinner. And D, he's prepared for her to be to show up. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I think probably I would assume... If uh, I'd left a message inviting someone to dinner and they never got back to me, that they probably weren't coming to dinner. And if they had shown up, I'd be like, dude, like uh, you never got back to me. I, 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 just, I ordered a pizza. Well, as he says, someone like you does not happen to someone like me. And in his mind, he's just, I guess he's going to hope for the best. But- yeah, but that's sad, man. I agree. And and not only is that sad, but, but she still looks really sad when she's there. And, and of course, we know he's still in love with her. And then as soon as Blair, and, and, and if there's a criticism I have of the episode, as soon as Blair gets there, Mac calls her to come to work. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. that. Yeah, it was I, unnecessarily I, awkward, you know, like for Blair to show up and she just, I mean, obviously we get it. She got the call. She's got to go. But like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought that was weird. So, all right. Well, the major story is, of course, tracking down Vincent. It's always nice to see Officer Boyd and we get uh, her. She's on the scene and tells Mac that she's seen this kind of torture of travelers even before Mac's team arrived, which since the faction didn't exist then, you know, I think we can say that the faction's not responsible but again right. we don't know that for sure but the, and, i mean that, and, that makes sense i mean that's you know he's thinking logically there right right exactly so so we observe the crime scene being processed and cleaned in a, a fast motion sequence which i thought was pretty cool uh, and then max team now is able to go in and look for anything that might have been missed and The fact that Marcy finds that calm on the floor in the water was a little problematic. I mean, did they miss that? That that seems kind of a big thing to miss. Yeah, yeah. But but the other thing is, what was that gadget that 
I can't remember whether it was Philip or Trevor that had, I mean, was it some kind of like device that would track any traveler technology maybe? So maybe that's how they found it. I don't know. But Carly's standing guard outside. And and at first when I didn't see her inside, I was thinking, well, where is she? And then she's out there and she notices somebody about to blow the building, gets word to the team, but uh, it does get blown up anyway. She shoots the guy. Um, I thought she was going to shoot the guy's shoot the box out of the guy's hand right. with her second shot, but yeah. uh, not so. But obviously they get out, and, and Philip figures out that the four bodies are from a traveler team and that one person must still be at large. And, and of course, they've got to track that guy down. And, and there's the, the parallel to their team when Mac was the one that was not uh, captured and, and, of course, then was able to to rescue them but the woman comes to the fbi about her husband who's been missing i think she says three and a half months which is kind of unusual did did she come because she had heard about the people in the yes okay Uh, uh, yes and the agent that was dealing with her seems to brush her off and and the other thing and and i guess i would have had to go back uh we know at least i think it's 25 agents are now travelers so i don't know if the agent that was interviewing this woman maybe is not a traveler because if she was you know it would seem that she would make the logical jump that hey this might have something to do but but again whatever right mac hears what's going on and says hey i'll handle it and 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 right away my husband changed overnight because you know before you know, he was a loudmouth jerk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now he's a devoted husband. And of course, Mac knows the truth. Right. Which is kind of like the opposite of what we've seen so far is that we've just seen relationships going south whenever, you know, the traveler jumps in, right? Like the, the relationship just goes to pot. But this was the opposite, right? The traveler jumps in and and uh, the relationship gets better. Well, right. And, and the interesting thing, though she's ecstatic that this is the change her husband made when, and I'm not saying it, I don't think it's ever really happened to me and probably never to you because I think we're basically pretty good guys, but it's like you buy your wife flowers. Oh, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the, the fact that this guy was the way she described him and now he's virtually angelic. I mean, didn't she, think that maybe you know it, it's something else well but what but, would she think like like well, if, if you see it the other way around where someone changes for the worst you start saying oh is he seeing someone else is he into alcohol is he, is he doing drugs or something like that but when someone suddenly gets better like, what are you going to attribute that to? It's like there's there's nothing like, oh, well, he started uh, getting into heroin and now he's acting much nicer towards me, you know? No, it doesn't work like that, you know? You just uh, you just take it for what it is. And just say, hey, I like, you know, I, I, I like the change. Okay. Ah, good point. So, all right, well, Philip tells Mac that there's already a tap on Jacob's phone and his comm because, you know, they've got the comm now and so they can get on that team's frequency but they contact him and he's of course unaware that somebody's surveilling his wife and the next thing you know he's cutting his own com out which 
I'm not sure exactly how Philip was able to tell that's what he was doing, but again, I'll, I'll take him at his word. Yeah. So, so Mac goes to see Jacob's wife, figuring correctly that that's where her husband would have gone. Chase ensues. He does get shot, we presume, by one of Vincent's assassins. But he does manage to tell them that his team was sent by the director to investigate why so many traveler teams have gone missing. So, again, do we then say, oh, right, the director is not involved with abducting these teams. So then is it the faction or is it Vincent? So Yeah, we don't know. But see, at this point, because, all right, so the the episode is – called jacob that's the title of the episode we suddenly meet jacob and about 30 seconds after we meet jacob he gets shot so i'm like okay there's no way jacob's gonna die because we just met him and the episode's named after him there's no way he's dying and he died i was gonna say that uh going forward and we do have a lot of episodes that are named for individual characters. We had Alexander and yeah. So, but so, none so, that like the character gets popped about, you know, a minute and a half after we, they, the, the, he or she says their first line. Right. Of course, because Alexander, for instance, got saved. Right. But so Philip's doing his research. He, you know, he finds out that all of the buildings in which these bodies worldwide have been found can be traced back to one company but the guy dies before he can tell them the name but you know again it doesn't take them long to determine that it's a vincent ingram is the company owner now again as secretive as we've seen him as insulated as he's made himself you know, I know Philip's supposed to be this computer hacker genius and all that, but I guess I was a little surprised that they, they found the name that easily and that, you know, they were able to send Mac to the guy's house. Yeah. But, well, I mean, as you said earlier, it maybe does cast some suspicion on did Vincent let them do that? Well, but at that point, what would be his motivation? I don't know. That's that's so. why we're asking the question and not saying for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get any whiff of that. This is he's letting him do that. I I just got the idea that Philip is uh, pretty genius at what he does. Um, and uh, redundancy number six or not, he's able to overcome it. Right. So Mac gets to his compound, has to give up his phone and his gun, and of course we've seen that before. And I, I like when he asks him, and, and it's tough to argue, if a Microsoft employee did something, would you go question Bill Gates? Yeah. And the answer is, of course, no, despite what Mac says about being thorough, which he knows, Vincent knows, we know, is all yeah. crock of bull. And then he says, you know, I think I met you five years earlier at a fundraiser. In fact, I remember your wife, good-looking woman, Catherine. And- Fortunately, that sets off alarms in Mac, and and you know he doesn't remember it obviously for right. know, obvious reasons. Well, and, and well now you know what we learned later is what we actually I suspected was that Vincent totally knows that Mac is a traveler, so he knows that he could make a claim like that, and Mac would have zero memory of that. 
Right, and he was able to research it. I mean, just the same way Philip was able to research it, pull up the invitations, pull up the photos from the event, um, you know, which is, I'm sure, what Vincent did as well. But as we said, Philip hacks into Vincent's servers, and there's that question, is it Vincent that simply lets him in after the sixth or seventh redundancy, despite Phillips saying, see, all you had to do was yell at it, and that got you in. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Because what they see is that Vincent has been surveilling all of them, and that's when Mac gives the order to kill Vincent. Right. Yeah, well, it's not so much gives the order as they basically kind of all agree together, except for, again, Trevor, who's the only one urging caution. And, you know, because like I said, he's like, let's not – rush into this okay let's step back and think for a second um well right and and i think he's he's right because i i would think the first thing they would want to do would be to abduct vincent and bring vincent back to their hq and question him now granted it might be difficult with the levels of security that vincent has right as opposed to just sending in the team and, and you know whoever the sniper is i guess it would be carly she's the one that seems to always have the sniper rifles although marcy was pretty yeah, accurate yeah, marcy herself did, yeah she did a pretty nice job of it yeah right but we then get to the closing scene and vincent's son turns messenger tells him to stand down uh, there's the little girl that tells Max team to stand down and Vincent immediately sets out to leave, tells his people I'm not coming back. And then we see all the black vans in the street. And and I think we have to conclude that Vincent's guys were ready to take out Max team. Oh yeah. We saw them preparing. Right. They like, knew they were coming. Yeah. Well, it's so, just for them to see like when Grant walks out and he sees all of these vans leaving, he knows he gets it. He understands right then. If I had tried to, to carry this out, if we had left this place, we would have been killed. Yeah. We, we've never left here alive. There's, there's, it, it wouldn't have happened. So, um, so yeah, there is that. Yeah. So where it goes from here, um, you know, I, I think how far they're going to go to try to track down Vincent is, I, I guess, the number one question, which then – brings up the possibility that the team will geographically split for a while, which is a dangerous thing to do in serialized television. I mean, it can work. You usually can't keep the team apart for too long, but I I don't know. I think we might see something like that. We might see two of the characters going on a road trip, trying to track him down if if they can at all but yeah uh, I, I, it's it's possible but if if it w- would happen i would see you know it wouldn't be more than a single episode you know like because you're absolutely right when you get the the uh you know like a, a, sh- a show that's centered on the team uh you can't go splitting them up for extended periods of time right and you know we we certainly have to bring grace back I think sooner rather than later. We don't necessarily have to see her each week, but uh, again, truth be told, she has a lot of information that would be pretty critical to you know th- what movements they're going to make if they don't hear from the director in terms of you know receiving another mission. Right. So, well, it's been uh, you know like, what is it? Uh, hold on, I got the number here. 
2,163 hours, which is right. 90 so, days, which is three months, which we know. But, you know, the fact that they're counting down by like the hour shows they're getting really antsy. Well, I, I think the fear that they are going to have to live out the lives of these people whose bodies they've taken over, the reality is starting to set in. Yeah. And, you know, how much you can prepare for that eventuality, I don't know. But I, I think to a large extent, that's, you know, what's happening. Now, I think we all know that's not going to be what's happening with travelers because that would make for very boring television. Yeah. <laughs> Just see, so, yeah, Grant and Cat go to the grocery store. All right. All right. So, anything else you want to bring up? One thing. Uh, so, you don't watch Mr. Robot anymore, right? I don't. Okay. Um, but when Jeffrey was talking to Jacqueline, the uh, you know, the social worker, or whatever. So, I don't know if you ever noticed, like the way they shoot Mr. Robot a lot of times with the, they show like people with just their head in like the extreme corner of the picture and, or they, they have it where, and you know, I, I assume it's always like, they're kind of showing like the pressure put on, you know, like it's almost like the physical pressure of, of the screen itself is pushing down on the person. I always thought it'd be a good, like Saturday Night Live skit for just like, you know, the character to be doing like a Mr. Robot kind of parody and just, kind of puts his hand out and pulls the screen down so you can see like, you know, the three quarters of their body rather than just their chest and their head stuck down the bottom. So anyway, I, I kind of saw that they were, they were doing that with Jeffrey um, shooting shots where he's in the, like the kind of the lower left-hand corner of the screen and he's got all this space above him and everything. It just reminded me of the Mr. Robot. So cool. Yeah, you know, it's a show I'd like to get back to sometime. I, I saw season one. I pretty much binged it in a matter of a few days, and I never really got on to season two. And I, I think I just got caught up in other shows, but it's an you know, amazing I really enjoyed show, it. Dude. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so good. All right. Well, we will leave it there for this week and want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about Travelers. Anything else that's going on in genre TV, encourage you to join the Facebook group and share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which Bob did this week. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 4 of Travelers, titled 1127. And I'm not sure if that's a time or something else because it's 11 colon... 27 but until then dave i don't know if you knew this about me but i'm agoraphobic germophobic and i don't like personal contact